coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida. Welcome to the Paper Stack Podcast, where we cover current topics in the note industry, give you tactics for your note business, and talk with industry leaders to make you a better note investor. And now, your hosts, Brett Berkey and Rick Allen. Welcome back to another episode of the Paper Stack Podcast. I'm Rick Allen. This is Brett Berkey. And today we've got a very special guest, somebody I've known since pretty much I got into the note industry. And he's he's been in, this, in the industry a while, a long while. Really excited. He's got a lot of different projects he's working on right now. And he's got a lot of knowledge from just everything he's done up to now. He's probably forgotten more about notes than I actually know. So this is... a uh, it's a real treat for us. We want to welcome to the show Bob Repass from Colonial Funding Group and from Note Expo, Note School. Are there, am I forgetting anything? Well, you forgot Note Strut, but I won't point that out for you. <laughs> How could I forget Notes Direct? So good to have you, man. I appreciate it. I've done several of these in the past few weeks about Note Expo. They always start with he's been around a long time in a long while and all that kind of stuff. So I appreciate you not making it too long of how long I've been into the uh, industry here, but I have been in the business since 1990. So I have seen a lot of the uh, ups and downs and cycles. Yeah, we're excited that Nerd Expo 2021 is uh, right around the corner and 2021 has been a very interesting year. It definitely has so far. And I want to touch a little bit on Node Expo in a little bit and let you tell us what we can expect and uh, where folks can sign up. But you mentioned, did you say the 90s you got into the business? Is that when it was? Yep, I started in 1990. I left a, a job as a <clears throat> vice president at a bank and decided I'd get into the secondary market and discounted note space. And I worked probably the first 20 plus years with various institutional investors, I started out with Metropolitan Mortgage and Securities that was based out of Spokane, and I opened up a East Coast office for them in North Carolina. And then in 1997, I moved to the great state of Texas, been here ever since, and I went to work for the Associates, and I worked with them until 2001 when Citigroup bought out the Associates, and then I took an opportunity with Bayview to start a division for Bayview here in Dallas, and I worked with them. Oh, the 0809 crisis turned our acquisition shop into a servicing shop. And then about 2012, it was the servicing piece. Although there was a lot of moving parts, it wasn't really the deal making that I liked. So I joined Eddie Speed over here at Colonial Funding Group, started our capital fund and been here ever since. And eight years ago, we started Node Expo. That's it in a nutshell. Has it been eight years? Wow. That's well, we had the first. Yeah, I've been going to. I've been with, we joined, we joined Eddie and we met Eddie at the five-star event. And so that was probably in 2012 or 13. So I believe we were at the first event. Yeah. How did you run into Eddie? When I was at Metropolitan, Eddie was brokering deals to Metropolitan and I didn't deal directly with him, but I got to know him. Then when I moved to Texas and worked with the associates, I started doing a lot of business. So we would sit across and different sides of the desk and. You know, Eddie's a horse trader, so I'd have to do a little trading on the notes here and try to make, he'd tell me how good the deal was, and I'd tell him I can't buy it right now, and we'd do a little back and forth, but I bought tens of thousands of notes from Eddie over that time frame. We developed a good relationship, and it's always 
interesting story that when you can, it could be a counterparty, you do business with each other, but then you still have enough of a relationship where one day you can work together, whether it's within the same company or just doing joint ventures and stuff. And so there's really no competition and stuff out there per se. It's more like building the relationships and figuring out a way that one day your synergies will connect and you can figure out a way to do business together. That'll be a way to wait for everybody. So I've been with Eddie now since 2012. And like I said, we started our capital fund in 2013 and we're on the third iteration of that. So we've grown a lot and he's continued to get no school going and teaching the note business to a lot of investors across the industry. And yeah, we're excited. That's cool. That's awesome. So your, your note fund, you have something open. Folks can come in and invest with you guys and allow you to run quarterback, take advantage of your years of experience. Is that, a, is that about right? How do they go about finding out more about your guys' fund? Uh, we can go to colonialcapitalmanagement.com. It's a credit investor fund. No cert primer, it's an open-ended fund. So there's lock-up periods and minimum amounts and so forth. Pays quarterly preferred returns. And so it's, it's, we're primed right now because we feel like there's going to be a good opportunity as we wrap up 2021 and we enter 2022 as far as some inventory that's going to be coming to the market. I know we're going to be talking a lot about that and you and I have talked about it in the past, just how known performing loans and all because of the pandemic and moratoriums and you know, what a lot of people don't realize is there were several million the link below us before they That's it. Hit. That's it. We refer to those as like legacy assets because they were going to foreclosure or they were going to be sold at the time. And then the pandemic and the moratorium sent forbearance plans. And uh, now those have expired and things are starting to loosen up. All of a sudden, you're going to see an initial wave, I think, those loans to get pushed through the system. You've mm -hmm. already seen Fannie and Freddie announced some sales for this quarter of the year. We're talking, I think Sandy's was over 11,000 loans. So that's just one particular wow. pool of loans that they're putting out. Yeah, that just gives you, I don't want to say chip of the iceberg. I don't think it'll be quite as bad as 0809. And we can get into the reasons why, you know, as far as equity positions as opposed to underwater back in the day. But I think we're going to see a pretty steady flow throughout 2022, uh, both not performing and some reconforming laws where people didn't do a performance match, come back up on their feet and the people looking to recapitalize and maybe move some of that off their balance sheets. Yeah, I, I agree. I've, like you said, we've been talked about it, but I think that the real big missing piece that a lot of people don't see is the, the legacy stuff, because I know personally for stuff that we've got under in our fund, we had stuff that was knocking at the courthouse door. We had, we had judgments or we had sale dates and. COVID hit and just stopped them on the dime. And when they're owner-occupied, Cook County was saying, we're not foreclosing on anybody that's owner-occupied right now. You can't put them out. So it's good to see that stuff moving through. But yeah, I agree. It's going to see some, an increase in the inventory. What, what's going to make the change happen in 2022? I'm just curious. To, to the well, I think people are now looking to move something off of their balance sheet in one regards because... Even though the moratoriums are lifted, some of the bigger guys, the Wells, the B of A's, Fannie, Freddie, they can't. Well, they don't want the headline risk of being the guys that started the foreclosure. Ah. It's a fine political balance to where they investors to protect, obviously, but they will be right at the same page of Wells starts foreclosing on millions of homeowners. They don't want that kind of publicity. So they'll push it down. 
for lack of a better term, the Fed chain, which will go to a hedge fund, the hedge fund will sell to smaller capital funds, depending on the size of the loan, how, how long it's been delayed, when the value of the property, it makes its way down to smaller capital funds like us. In turn, we use our platform and your platform to get it down to the small one-off investors that go really work with that homeowner because I think a lot of people think, oh, everybody wants to find NPLs and they can person out of the house and get the property back. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. If you buy it at the right price, get a discount, you can work with the homeowner and make it the retained homeownership, but it, it's still a good deal for you and your investors. Yeah, that is interesting. Headline risk is key, isn't it? Do you feel like they learned this playbook from the the last one, the last meltdown, the, the 2008 and okay, this is the playbook. We push it down. We can't have the headline risk. We don't want to be the administration that forecloses on America. Let's just send it down the pipeline. Uh, send it down the pipeline. I'd like to have the child from the Historically, we all learn from lower stakes, but I've seen a lot of people in the same stakes over and over again. They're not so private, but we call them non-QM links. Yes and no. I still have seen things like, really, we're doing that all over again? Yeah. I do think from a reputational risk that you're right. I think a lot of people are, I'm not going to be the one that is going to be the one who's more close to some folks. And just because we buy non-performing loans as they come down the waterfall, doesn't mean we're going to be the ones who foreclose on them either. Like I said, I think we're going to do a better job of giving them the opportunity to truly stay in their house as opposed to, like I said, when I was in Bayview, we switched completely from an acquisition piece to a, a loan servicing piece in 0809, and it was AMP modifications and mm-hmm. short sales and all that kind of stuff. And we did all we did to help the people save their properties, but it was a campus government program. So there was a lot of paperwork and there was a lot of people that should have been modified by work because they didn't send in the right paperwork or mm-hmm. they got caught up in somebody's own tree and never got an answer back and they faxed it and it didn't come through. And once as long as went down with somebody who really wrapped their arms around it and worked with the borrower, a lot of those didn't get resolved. So I think you're going to see that again. What, what made the, what made, I imagine you were a big part of what made the Bayview go from acquisitions to, to loan servicing? Was it just the opportunity or it was like, look, we've got a lot of NPL we need to deal with and it just it evolved or was it a kind of a strategic pivot? It was really out of necessity because the model of Bayview at the time was securitizing our loans. So we ran into a liquidity crisis. That's we couldn't securitize our loans anymore. That market dried up. And it took about 12 to 18 months for the executive team to kind of restructure that. And they opened up basically a capital fund. It deals with Blackstone and other large private hedge funds from Wall Street and got recapitalized. But at the same time, saw the opportunity in the loan servicing world, not only to service the book of business we had in our securitizations, but to do some for other large larger institutions that maybe wanted to peel off a piece and, and have somebody else service it. Bayview is buying loans every day still, and they're a big loan servicing shop as well. So they, they made it through, reinvented themselves as, as well, like to say, and then found the market opportunities and they're doing their thing. And on a smaller scale, we're doing ours. How involved were you with the servicing side of the business while you were there? Were you knee deep in the servicing or more on the acquisitions? Uh, at the very end, it was needed in the servicing. Initially, it was mostly acquisitions. We didn't service the seller finance assets that we bought for Baggy, so we had our own servicing piece. 
all the time here in the, the Texas operation. But we had over 150 employees in loan servicing when I left in 2012. Like I said, we go through all the different kind of government payment programs, the different proprietary mods that could be offered. And, and that's basically underwriting alone when you're doing a loan modification. I was a rocket scientist to, to transition a lot of the, the personnel into that. And as you guys know, Dallas is a hotbed for loan servicing. Yeah. There's a lot of operations here. And the upside is if you need good help, you just pay a little bit more than the guy down the street. You can find a recruit and get employees. Nice. That is as they'll do the same thing to you when they have out. <laughs> that's, that's right. So you got a soft spot in your heart for all the servicers out there, huh? More so than some people, because yeah. I do know how it is now. And it's servicing is a tough business. And I get just as frustrated as any other note investor with some servicers. But believe me, I haven't been on that side. I, I do have a little bit more of, a, of an understanding and a little bit more experience where I can help and say, hey, how about if we try this? Maybe we can make something happen. I've seen that work in the past. So it, it's, been a, it's been pretty good. We use three or four loan servicers with the assets that we own. So we don't. We have all our eggs in one basket, so we try to mix it up a little bit. What, what is HAMP? I'm just so I understand what that is. HAMP was a government loan modifications, a uh, whole affordable modification program. It's where somebody had a qualified backer in 0809, submit a hardship back to David, tell what the problem was, and the government basically had an incentive program for both the borrower and the servicer for doing a HAMP mod. And if they stayed current for 12 months and the borrower got a financial incentive and sent it to servicers. It was a successful program, but it also led to a lot of institutions doing their own kind of modifications because people couldn't qualify all the time for HAMP. And there was a little bit stringent, but the good part I was about HAMP is give a framework for all this, all the investors what to work around as far as what, how to structure a lot. So it did work out pretty well. Is that, is that very different than the hardest hit fund or? In the same ballpark? Or? It was in the same ballpark. The artist hit fund was a, another government program that for state, state we all have our opinions on how successful it was. But I would say the, the hardest hit funds was a precursor to the emergency rental assistance program that we have right now. Hmm. Okay. It was a good idea by the federal government. However, they gave all the money to various states to implement on the state and local level. So then they had to set up 50 plus ways to distribute money and some states excelled at it. And there's some states today that haven't given away all their hardest hit plus money. And we're seeing the same thing with the emergency rental assistance. And I think it's over 46 billion that's been allocated and then we, they may have distributed 5 billion through the end of July. Wow. When you give it to the states and the state can figure out and give it to the people that need it, whether it's the tenant or a landlord, it's just been a as we like to say, a cluster. Yes, yeah. it, it definitely has. Yeah, wealth of knowledge. Node Expo, we've got that coming up November 4th, 5th, and 6th. The opening night's the 4th, right? Yeah, it's just the actual event starts Friday morning on the 5th and 6th. So, yeah, this is our ice annual Node Expo. So, Eddie and I started this back in 2014. And it's evolved, but you guys have been a part of all of them. We always appreciate your support. I give you guys a gluten free plug. Thank you for being our Tim Bike sponsor this year. Oh, yeah. Yes. And we're looking forward to having you guys there. And yeah, I think it's going to be a truly interesting topic. And you seen the new presentation on that. 
frustrated the landlord piece about the emergency rental and do you really still want to be a landlord or is the note space maybe an answer for you? We're going to have a couple of panels on the non-performing flow of inventory, although with due diligence and asset management. So that's some really good expression. We're people that have been in the business since before the 0809. So they went to that cycle. Well, now they're ready for this cycle. Wow. Is there, Rick, you're going to join me on the panel about digital platforms? The good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. And I guess the timing couldn't be getting better because a lot of people have invested a lot of time, energy, and money, especially in platforms like Facebook and Instagram. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, it goes down for a day. And what happens? So how do you protect yourself? So we're going to have you and a couple other things out there just talking about how they use LinkedIn, how they use videos, podcasts like this, YouTube, and just Ways to brand and promote your business, but yet protect yourselves, especially in this cybersecurity sensitive market. So I'll be looking forward to moderating that. And then uh, you'll be joined by Fred Rui and Fuquan Malal and Dave Putz and everybody's active on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, websites and YouTubes and stuff. So it's going to be really good. I'm looking forward to you guys sharing some wisdom on that. Yeah, it's so. I love Node Expo. It's really a great experience. Just the you get there and you actually have real note investors that you're talking with. That's always been something that we really love. Watching it grow, it's oh, yeah. just how it's been great. It's a fantastic oh, event. Yeah. So this year we're at, it's at the Hilton, right? Is that right? The Hilton, the airport Hilton. Uh, it's actually at the, uh, the Hilton or the Hyatt. Hyatt. BFW Embassy Suites. Embassy Suites, yes. Green, great buying Texas. Makes you, if you've ever been to the Dallas Fort Worth area, as soon as you get out of the north exit of the airport, you're red, you're in perfect. Ride. So, this is literally a $5 Uber ride, at least $5 Uber ride. Now it's probably a $20 Uber ride. Mm-hmm. That was the same place. But it's kind of an airport shuttle to an everything. Oh, oh, the theme this year, guys, is better together. And we're, there's been a lot of discussion about in person, virtual, hybrid. This is strictly in person. We're going to, we, Took the flag in the ground and said, you know what? It's just, we need a community. We need the note and industry community back together. Mm-hmm. I totally respect people who still are successful with traveling and, and so forth. And the recordings will be available after the show. It won't be live streamed, but we felt like it was important for everybody to make that connection, that reconnection and, and get back and just, you know how it is, guys. We get in there, we hang out for two days. We like to say we just immerse ourselves in the note business and uh, you'd see people you've only talked to on the phone or on Zoom mm-hmm. and you'd see people that you get to reconnect with that, you know, your friends be just having out to shake hands, have a cup of coffee or a beer. Yes. Like, it. Have yeah. To dust off the business cards. They're going to yeah. find them. Yeah. <laughs> We're, I, I was very excited about, um, this is actually going to be our first live event since, well, since the last Node Expo. Uh, oh, that's right. So we closed out our live events with Dota Expo. We're coming right back. Uh, this one a year or two years later. Yeah. I'm really excited. And that's one of the things I did want to tip my hat to you and Eddie for putting your flag in the ground and saying, hey, we're moving forward. We're going live in person. And the virtual events are good, man. But I, I miss the connections. I miss talking to people. And you just get so much more out of it as far as both on the vendor side, but for the attendee side. I feel like there's more connections made because I love seeing your face here on the on the monitor, but I'd much rather shake your hand and get you that cup of coffee or that beer. So we're excited about that. Yeah, I am too. So to sign up, if people want to attend, what do they do? 
Then go to noexpo.com and actually can use the promo code EXPO, capital E, XPO. So it's EXPO with a uh, capital E. And yes, yeah, sign up today. Book your hotel room. I can send Cynthia MC Suite. So that includes breakfast every morning. Great oh. shuttle. It's right, right by the, it's Grapevine Texas. Cool little canal. There's even around the area there. And at Note Expo, we provide all the freights. All the lunches are right there in the exhibit hall. So you can have your lunch and go visit Brent and Rick and their boats and sit down and, and learn more about the paper stack. And look, a lot of times, all no business is great. We always like to say, hey, you can do it from anywhere, which is virtual. But sometimes you got to build those relationships when you have an asset that's not in your own backyard or you're engaging a loan servicer or a property preservation company or whether it's an online platform like you guys or Next Direct or an IRA company like Quest Trust or Equity Trust, you want that face-to-face. Who have you been dealing with? And then you can vet them in person. And I think that's the beauty of it. Not to mention the great educational content we have. We're, we're trying to give people things that they can actually learn and take home and put into action. But even if it wasn't for the content, just the ability to hang out with some for two days, I think it's more than worth the price of admission. Okay, yeah, definitely. So... Awesome. We look forward to seeing you there. Want to close out with a few personal questions, just some rapid fire stuff. So when you're not slaving away on colonial funding, Node Expo, Notes Direct, what do, what do you do for personal fun, man? What's you, what's your life like outside of the note business? I like to travel as a matter of fact. We just got back down from Italy. Oh, wow. Um, we were in Italy celebrating my 60th birthday. Oh, happy birthday. I know that's hard to believe, but it was an outstanding time. Angie and I spend the week in Tuscany. Yeah. And my son and daughter-in-law and my daughter and her now fiance, because they actually engaged while they were there. Oh, wow. That's uh, cool. Met us out in Tuscany for a little weekend, and they also did some sightseeing outside of the time that we all spent together. The six of us were all together for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday out in Tuscany. So we had a great time. Father and I hang out with my dog, sit around smoke, probably a huge football fan. I guess I can brag right now. The Cowboys <laughs> and the Leafs started out for you. Yeah, and then well. It keeps up by Nerdex If I can still say that. So we enjoy watching football and, and, and just hanging out. You're a big baseball fan, right? Well, my age, I just celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. Congrats. Six years old, but right 39 years. It's not too exciting, guys. It's just thankful for your family, thankful for your friends, and it, it's just genuine. I enjoy the rice. And I love that. And we're friends on Facebook, and I love you guys. You said there's just two rules, and Brett and I are both men of faith. What are those two rules? Love God, love people. That's it, man. man. I love it. I love that. He always, Bob always uh, puts out some good stuff there. And it's, I'm glad that you're going to be moderating that event because you're definitely active on Facebook. And I love the stuff you're publishing. Yeah, I would have said, I would have said you were a foodie too, because I I see sometimes you always have some really nice food. I'm like, wow, that's really good. I don't know where you Yeah, we we do, we do enjoy food. As a matter of fact, when we were in Italy, we did a cooking class. So that was cool. Oh, wow. So that was really interesting. So yeah, that's a good point, Brad. I wish. Official series. What, what what kind of pasta did you make? Noki. Noki. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was interested with the potatoes and the egg nice. and the flour and that was easy as they made you love. Yeah. But, but uh, we did that with some sauce and to make plan. It's free pretense. That's cool. Good That's stuff, true. man. Give me a book. Best book you've read. This business book is probably Extreme Ownership. Okay. By Navy Seals John Bo Willing. Mm-hmm. 
So I read that a couple of times. It's probably one of my favorite, one of my favorite books. Yeah, I guess old man to see. I probably read that in 10 times. I'll learn so many ways to perseverance and get up every day and do what you gotta do. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't know, but it's only like a hundred pages. So most people I tell read old man see really enjoy it. So you should, and if you do want a good business book, I like extreme ownership. I've got extreme ownership and I read old man in the sea. I guess it was probably in middle school or high school. So I think it's probably time to again, it'll be a lot more now that you're older. Yeah. Like visit. I, I, I was recommended that one in acres of gold and I, I, uh, I read acres of gold. I, I didn't read that one. I actually need to revisit that. All right. Last thing, closing thoughts or advice for note investors, new note investors coming into the space. Any, if you could go back and tell yourself something, some piece of advice for note investors, what would it be? I'll make a shameless plug by saying come to note expert. But the reason I say that is this business is all about relationships. Okay. I started in 1990. Just to give you guys an idea, when I worked at Metropolitan Mortgage, I worked in an office in North Carolina, but my closer and processor was Tracy Z. Really, oh wow, I'm going to try right. And then Melissa and Sheila from Allied worked at Metropolitan. Oh wow, and then Trey Ruley Jamin worked at Metropolitan. So I've known those folks forever. Like I said, I met Eddie back in the '90s. I still get deals referred to me from people that I had cold called and sourced back in 1990. So this business is all about relationships. You can't make them any better than face-to-face in the LA Note Expo. But I did a presentation at Note Expo a few years back and it was entitled Relationships Over Transactions Always. So it's always about the relationships. One deal, some deals go great, some deals go bad, but you gotta respect each other, make it right, and it'll be you'll be in the business a long time if you do that. So my advice would be always put relationships above everything else. Love it. That's good, man. Yeah. Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. It's like I said, it's been a real treat. I was really looking forward to this Mm -hmm. when we were able to put this on the calendar. Um, Really excited for Node Expo. Guys, if you haven't signed up for Node Expo, you need more information, go to nodeexpo.com. It's worth the investment. It's worth the the money. You definitely want to be there and it's an in-person event. And if you haven't been to the great state of Texas, if I didn't live in Florida, I'd live in Texas is all I can say. That's that's it. I appreciate you guys. And I look forward to seeing you guys, particularly at Note Expo and and get to hang out and share some good times. So I hope to see everybody there. NoteExpo.com, promo code Expo, November 5th and 6th in Dallas. And Rick, as always, my friends, appreciate it. Yeah, Bob, take care, man. We appreciate it.